0: Hello everybody, welcome to Out of the Office. This is a podcast exploring the lessons learned from the hit TV show, The US Office. And it's all about how we can create a more diverse and inclusive workplace. Now, I'm Sarah Chandran, I'm the founder of Fresh and Fearless, and I'll be hosting all of these episodes um, from Out of the Office. And we'll delve into the world of Dunder Mifflin and examine the different characters and the scenarios presented throughout the series. Now we're going to analyze how the show highlight the ways that we can not run an office and how we can actually use that as a learning to respect diversity, foster inclusion, and create a more positive workplace environment. So whether you're a fan of the office or just interested in learning more about creating a more inclusive workplace, this podcast is for you. So grab your favorite Dundee award and tune in to out of the office. So, my very first guest for the show is Sean, who I'll welcome up on the stage now. Sean, would you like to just introduce yourself for our listeners?
1: Thanks, Sarah. Um, hello, I'm Sean. Um, I am head of people for a tech startup and really excited to be here because talking about two of the things I love, which is um, the workplace. I know that sounds cheesy, but when you love it that's nice and easy and the office but more specifically the US office which controversial I think is better than the UK it is elite it is elite in comparison to the UK
0: office I have to agree I remember talking to Sean about my idea for starting this podcast and you genuinely squealed (laughs) like the noise that came out of your mouth was hilarious because you're like oh my god I love the office please let me be on the show and I was like I mean 100% and you are now my very first guest which is awesome
1: yeah Basically, I just rugby tackled you when you said it and have been on at you since. So um, I'm glad I could help. But yeah, honestly, I just, um, well, I love what you do um, and, you know, the work you do in this in this space. So to incorporate that and, and what a better TV show to use as an example, because, yeah, uh, which we'll get into, I'm sure. But um, yeah. great combination. Do you know how many times you've rewatched the series?
0: Can you count on how how many times you've seen it?
1: Um, I don't think I can. I think I think I genuinely get to the end and then just restart it. Um, and the other thing is, it. So I'm actually watching it at the moment by myself, as <laughs> I always do, but also with my husband, who's watching it for the first time. And so I don't know what series. I mean, he's just coming up to, um, you know i don't want to say it in case there's spoilers but i think uh he's coming up to a big wedding in the uh in the oh, series yeah. um i know i know and um i'm probably further behind than that watching it by myself and it works because you can just dip in and out each episode stands on its own so brilliantly you don't need to go uh, and, and watch it so um chronologically it just works it's just brilliant but um I just don't think I could say and I'm sure there are people out there who've watched it a million more times than I have and um there's always that moment where somebody quotes from the office and you're like "Eh? yeah yeah you um what about you how many times have you watched it
0: I genuinely can't count I think I started watching it um oh was it like 2018 2017 maybe and yeah I binged watched it and then I was like oh, I'm really sad it's over and I was like I wonder if I can just start again and I did and then I just haven't stopped doing that. So every time I get to that final episode I literally just go back like you do and watch the yeah. episode from the beginning.
1: I don't know about you but I always put it on in the background as well when I'm doing yes. stuff um, which is probably how I most often watch it. So the good thing about that is every time you re-watch it you see something new or you hear something new because the last time you were watching it you're probably hanging out your washing and ran to get something from the washing machine so mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's the other thing I love about it and they're so short right they're what 20-25 minutes so um, yeah, but i
0: can easily watch like seven in a row
1: <laughs> yeah very very easy to pinch one <laughs> so let's um, talk
0: about the episode that we're going to yes. be talking about which is the merger episode um, which is a is a really interesting one because we've got um, Scranton, which is where the main kind of bulk of the US office show is recorded. It's based on the Scranton office with Michael Scott as the kind of regional manager. And through all the changes that go through in Dunder Mifflin, they start to merge with Stamford, the Stamford branch. Um, and... There's quite a few instances throughout this episode. So as these two branches are merging, Michael Scott, who if you've seen the show is quite a challenging, he's quite a funny, but also a difficult character in terms of the the ways that he thinks he's making the right decisions. So he kind of unintentionally creates this kind of them and us vibe. He's doing his best to try and merge the two groups together in one kind of identity. But actually I think he kind of ostracizes the groups from one another and it kind of, kind of, I guess, makes the situation worse that they end up hating each other so much more. So I think we're gonna just quickly watch a little clip from this episode, and we'll have this shown for everybody as well so you can watch it with us, and then we'll dive into what we think.
1: The official merger day, all family, welcome breakfast. Come on in. Hey, champagne. No, no, guess only. Like you no, know, um, for the guests it is. For you, consider it cow meat. Strictly taboo. I eat beef. Well, then consider it poison beef. It's no touchy. The, the beef is poison. No, it's not. Beef. Just sit down, please. Welcome. Help yourself.
0: Um, I you might want these orientation materials. <laughs> yeah. So, as we saw from that clip, Michael Scott. So the couple of the characters that come in that want to help themselves to the champagne and to the. The, the beef and to the, all the kind of treats that are on the table aren't able to, and they're the part of the Scranton office and who is allowed to touch the treats and eat the breakfast is the Stamford uh, employees. Shana I'd love to get
1: your perspective on your initial reactions <laughs> of what <you're laughs> up to. <laughs> well, I, I, I personally love the ongoing relationship Michael has with Kelly, <laughs> the fact that he's like, think of it as beef and then- <laughs> Of course, Kevin, um, the most lovable buffoon, comes in and he's asking if the beef is poison. So, um, yeah, I, do you know what? Watching this, um, it reminded me, I don't know why, well, I do know why, but it reminded me of when you go to uh, renew your phone contract and you've seen a really good phone deal and they tell you that um, that's just for new customers and you're like, i am over here, I've been with you for 10 years, why don't I get the same deal? Um, and I think Michael... He always has the best intentions, right? And always, like, what a lovely gesture he wants to put on this lovely breakfast. He wants to welcome everybody, but he completely alienates the people that are already working there. So, but invites them into the breakfast room, right? So invites them to come in and stand there and essentially watch everyone else eat. And... Um, sort of publicly tells them off for even going near the food and that must be so difficult for the Stanford lot who are already feeling quite confused with this Michael Scott character so I just I do you do feel for Michael because he always has the best intentions um but he just e- executes them really badly mm. um and I think in the build-up to this scene as well you know he gives them the goodie bags he's got everybody's name tags and everything and I think that's brilliant because he really wants to make the effort but it needs to go beyond just sort of a breakfast a name tag there's no conversation there's no inclusion here on, on for, for both of the teams and that's where everything falls apart so you know the breakfast the goodie bag the name tags great ideas but that's that's all he's kind of thought about he's not thought about anything beyond that like how is it going to work beyond that how am I going to get these two groups together and that's what um yeah that's where he falls short unfortunately as he often does he does often fall
0: short it's uh it's quite yeah some people that I've spoken to about the show that watch it they're like cringing at Michael Scott because I just can't believe it and I'm like I feel like this happens in workplaces maybe not to the same degree because obviously this is for Mm -hmm. comedic effect but In terms of mergers, you do get managers that almost maybe focus on one group over another and actually work against the very aspect of what they're intending to do, which is to bring together those two groups. Um, So reflecting on what, like, the actions that Michael took, where he had the goodie bags for Stamford, which I think were just filled with, like, pencils. (laughs) There wasn't, like, anything amazing in there. But the gesture is still there. um, And then, obviously, creating this breakfast. Do you think it's a case of... He could have had goodie bags for the Scranton employees and got them the breakfast themselves or is his approach just completely kind of missing the mark and maybe there should have been a different approach that he could
1: have taken? I think um uh, yeah who doesn't love a goodie bag we always give our new starters goodie bags and and we love it we want them to shout about that but when it's a bit when it's that missed the mark you know who who needs a bag of pencils um you know when you're sat at your computer all day, um, so I think that element of it is, um, but but whilst alienating the rest of the group, and um, I think that missed the mark. It's it, it's it's a nice idea, but again poorly executed. Um, what could he have done? He he could have involved both of the groups. You know, had a conversation um, with both the existing and the new team to um, I don't know perhaps buddy them up you know how good would that be so you haven't got this divide um to create you know if if I was Michael which you know now would be a good time actually to bring out my world's best boss (laughs) oh my goodness I forgot the icebreaker question I've been sat there waiting. This was actually given to me by my um, people coordinator who uh, relocated earlier this year and uh, knows how obsessed I am with Michael's. Oh, I love that. I need one of those
0: mugs. Obviously, you have the world's best mug, uh, Boss Boss mug. If you were to have a world's best something mug, what would yours say? <laughs> Barring this one that you actually have, which says World's Best Boss.
1: <laughs> yeah. um... Do you know what, I was I was struggling with this, um, but <laughs> then something happened this morning and I realized that's what I should be and it's not glamorous and it's not cool. I would be the world's best shameless internet detective. <laughs> <laughs> Please elaborate. No, <So, laughs> this is, it's just used for pure, I don't wanna say gossip, <laughs> pure drama. It's when you, you know, when you're sort of, you know, on Instagram. I don't really use a lot of social media, but I use Instagram. Mm-hmm. And when you're scrolling through Instagram and you notice that somebody who I don't know was in a long-term relationship or was married or used to live somewhere, and suddenly they're not posting pictures with that person anymore, mm-hmm. I go in and I'm like, "When did That's they so stop?" And when did this breakup happen? And I just want to know. I just want to get to the detail. Um, and I'm pretty good at figuring that out. So I've I've managed to suss out a lot of breakup. Like I always think, who is that person that's saying, "Oh Ariana Grande lost fifty thousand followers after her, you know, misdemeanor? I'm like, I would probably be good at that job because I would be able to find out um, what they did. So yeah shameless internet detective it's not a good one Sarah, but it's what I, it's who I am I feel like
0: those skills are useful and I feel like a lot of people probably would need that in their lives for various various things obviously most of the time it is looking up people who have broken up with people or like someone's dating yes. somebody and like is this because there's like so much that goes on in the dating world it's like who is this person and how do I find out if they're legit or not and Everyone needs an internet detective in their life. It's very much needed for protection.
1: There you go. Now you know who to come to if you want to find out if somebody's broken up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Me. Oh my goodness. I hadn't even thought about it. I'll have to come back to you.
1: Yeah.
0: I'll have to come back to you at the end. I never thought someone would ask me that question. I was like, oh, obviously being a podcast host, you ask all the questions. You don't have to answer any. But now the pressure's on. (laughs)
1: That's when you speak to somebody who's in a people role, (laughs) you see.
0: (laughs) Ask the questions back, get to know you. (laughs) Um, So yeah, talking about the people role, one of the biggest clips that happens is there's a part where Michael Scott put all the Stamford employees on chairs on top of tables. And then you've got all the Scranton employees sat on the floor and he's like, you know, this is to demonstrate that we're all equal. And one of the Scranton employees is like, Surely we should all be sat at the same level if that's what you're trying to insinuate. And there's a clip where Martin, one of the characters from the Stamford office, walks in and is quite large. So in terms of getting up on the table and sitting on the chair, it's not going to be a pretty easy thing for him to do. And Michael's like, we'll help you get up there. And obviously this is just layered on all the other things that's happened in terms of Michael Scott's shortcomings with just making the Stamford employees feel really at odds with him as a manager and him as someone to kind of support them in this new office. Um, And obviously subsequently, Martin's like, look, I can't do this anymore. I quit. I have to quit. And then you just see Michael just like, he does have a tendency to act like a child, like throwing his toys out of the pram. And he just has this knee jerk reaction. He's like, you can't do that. And then he essentially says, you know, you're fired. And it's just this whole like spiral of nonsense that happens as a result of what's gone on in this particular scene I'd love to just kind of open it up with that particular scene and get your perspective on it Sean because yeah it's a tricky one that one
1: yeah I mean nonsense is the best word to to describe that because it is it, and, <laughs> Michael is the first person to point out um somebody's appearance physical mm-hmm. um he's the first person to to make a joke so the fact that he is so desperate to make this thing work whatever this thing is that he's trying to do by elevating the Stanford branch to make them all seem equal which is bonkers the fact that he responds to him in a way where he doesn't make note of his physical appearance which is something that is is so often the case with Michael he's the first to to make quips about how somebody looks and um, and he's so desperate to make it work and you know he's there trying to help him force him up onto the table um, i say help um, force him up onto the table whilst this employee is desperately trying to um to get away from him and i think he's he's Michael's just not listening and for me it's about that feedback piece you know um we've all had managers who want to make things work want to do things a certain way and don't think about the impact it's going to have um, to employees as a whole or individuals. And they just, you know, it's that kind of definition of insanity is where you keep doing the same thing. So he's so desperate to make it work that he's not willing to listen to why it doesn't make sense. You know, shouldn't we all be on the same level? Um, Why is it possible? How are they gonna get this pretty large man up on the table? but he keeps trying, this perseverance there because he, um, his way is the way to do it. And I think it's about, for me, it's about feedback. It's about listening to your employees. It's about listening to what their opinions are, um, how they think uh, you can make something work. And yeah, I, I think especially in the workplace today, um, I'm hearing a lot of people talk, you know, people who are in a workplace that they love. And and I speak as one of those people is where the senior management are the first to admit when they haven't done something right or the first to listen to feedback because they talk about hiring people who are experts in their field, you know, and then you've got the other side where you've got a CEO, a CTO, or whoever it might be, and hire all this incredible talent, yet just refuse to listen to them when they go, maybe this piece of tech isn't right, or maybe we shouldn't be um, hiring for this role, or maybe um, the market needs this direction, or or this, this piece of work. So it's about, trusting and listening to the employees and not just thinking that your way is the best way um and i think you know that's where he goes wrong Uh, yet again the intention is there you know he wants to try and demonstrate that he's been a you know the world's best boss but really he's just not listening you know he's he's not listening to the noise and the chaos that's going on around him and then when he the reaction is okay well i'm you know I quit. Um, his response is, well, you're fired. And that's another example of like, why why do people leave? Why do, why do great employees leave the workplace or leave a business? And it's because they're not being listened to, their ideas are not being heard, whether that's um, because of the way in which the company should not necessarily run, but the way the team should work. And when managers don't listen to their team, that's why people leave. Um, and you know his response is to continue. Okay, well, bye. I'm going to continue with what it is I'm trying to do here, which is um, badly integrate. The funny thing is, it's called the integration celebration, and there's no integration going on, uh, which is, I'm sure, uh, ironically named.
0: Mm. It's interesting because I there's that saying, isn't there, where it's like people don't leave organizations, they leave bad managers and that's very much what happens in this particular scenario that you know people are pushed past their breaking point feedback isn't listened to so the only other option is to leave and I think if you have a high turnover in the organization and that high turnover is particularly like so many wonderful people that brought so much greatness to the organization it's usually an indication that something as in terms of the culture and the management that isn't responding very well because I guess if if managers were more receptive to feedback, if in that scenario, Michael Scott was receptive to hearing what was you know, being said by Stanford and Scranton, maybe the situation might have unfolded differently. You know, maybe that integration celebration could have been an open collaborative discussion of what are the issues here? And what could we do to make this a, a more seamless, collaborative kind of merge of two companies Um, a bit more comfortable Um, yeah made it more of that integration celebration for sure
1: yeah rather than that physical level of difference and you can eat this food versus you can't eat this food Um, I actually like uh, years and years and years ago when I worked I worked in retail um, as probably everyone did at some point in their life if you didn't you're the lucky ones but I remember we had two stores on you know King's Road in Chelsea and they closed one of the stores down and merged that team over. And the manager that was in that store was more senior than me and I was the manager in the other store. So she kind of, you know, very much like a a Jim and um, Michael situation later on in the series where they both become co-managers. And there was this um, real divide. There was this real, you know, the, the manager from the other store was so clearly give it dishing out favoritism to this other story it was so unbearable to watch and um you know, as someone who had been had been told that they had a manager above them, it was so painful to watch and so painful to experience and uh, and yeah i I think I've blocked that a big chunk of that time out of my life because it was so ridiculous, but that is how to do it badly to just to to not integrate people and to continue to see them as two different groups rather than you know one group in 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 total yeah
0: it's interesting that you mention about the the roles and stuff that in terms of that merger because even in this particular episode we see Dwight Shrew, one of the Scranton employees um kind of asking Michael to clarify who's more senior out of him and Andy Bernard who's come over from Stanford because they've got very similar sounding titles. And I think Michael's like, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant? Like he just kind of is a throwaway comment, which just leaves both Dwight and Andy in this like, I mean, they're butting heads. I don't feel like they ever see eye to eye. I mean, later on in the series, if they share a woman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'll ever be happy with one another. Um, But yeah, I think that's a huge thing in terms of mergers. You know, you just get all these different titles that worked within those respective organizations, Come together and suddenly there's this confusion there's this lack of clarity where is the hierarchy who reports to who and that can be really unsettling and and really upsetting and depending on how the individual sees that role they might perceive themselves as more senior than the other person but the flip could be true for the other person who sees them more senior and then you get all this kind of clashing of decision making and the culture The people pay the price for that kind of mix-up don't they?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think he makes some comment like it doesn't matter, it's irrelevant, it just matters what you're paid, which is just you know, (laughs) know, pay again. Um, you know, and I know it's very tongue in cheek, but moving that into the modern day workplace, um, because you forget, right, how old is the office? How that was season three, that episode that's quite
0: early on, yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, that was, but in the modern day, you know, so the 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 I work in a tech company and, and different titles mean different things very much like Dwight and Andy and um, means different things depending on um the organization you've come from so a lead engineer in one place means completely uh something completely different in comparison to a, a bigger or a smaller company and that would never work if we just brought people into our workplace and just assumed that they were going to bring in the responsibilities or the level of responsibilities they had from their other roles. So you you need to make sure a conversation's had with the new employee and the existing team as well, so they can understand, yeah, we're bringing in somebody who has lead in their title. And yes, I know you've got lead in your title, um, but this this is how it's going to work, so it's harmonious. And you have to bring new and existing employees into the conversation if you've got any chance of making things work particularly for us in a remote world because um you don't get that 20 you know interaction monday to friday nine to five um and again you know it's like we discussed that's where he goes wrong he doesn't bring the the, the two people together i love that he says off camera you know to the camera where he's like andy bernard what a that guy's a stand-up fella and it's because he sees himself in him right when they're yeah. in at the beginning uh, with the the goodie bags and um you realise how alike they are. <laughs> and um, that's yeah. why he it so much. So having that comment to the camera is brilliant um, because obviously he ends up slowly hating him, which most of us do. I'm sorry, I know that's probably another topic but Andy Bernard isn't, oh yeah. He's there.
0: No, I think, do you know what? I think the similarity between Michael Scott and Andy Bernard is that they're both deeply insecure characters. Yeah. and They seek that approval from those around them. Whereas I think Michael Scott seeks that approval from everybody in the office. And he tries to like, you know, do things that are quite like misses the mark. Mm -hmm. Andy Bernard is just focused on getting Michael Scott's approval. And I think that comes from, you know, the dad complex of like, you know, you find out later on that Andy has quite a tricky relationship with his own family. So he almost looks to Michael Scott as like that father figure and wants that approval and wants him to look at him in a particular way. yeah it's 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 really interesting and that kind of deep insecurity plays off onto the other characters and they just can't see any connection and they struggle because it doesn't come across as sincere right there's no genuine interaction there because it because it is a self-serving effort to to just kind of build their own ego and protect their own self-esteem
1: yeah, it's funny because you mentioned that about Andy's dad because Michael keeps talking in this episode about being a family like, we're a family and welcome to the family, and our families are merging. Right? Like, families are so dysfunctional, yeah. Um, so it's like some, and we've all again worked somewhere where somebody said, you know, it's like a family, and um, yeah, that's not always. <laughs> yeah, that's a red flag <laughs> because you then start thinking, especially in, in today's days, go right, is that is that a good thing? Do I want my workplace to be my family? But for Michael, is everything he craves. He just uh, and for and you know, like you say, Andy just wants Michael's um approval, um, as does Dwight, but Dwight will at the drop of a hat think about himself. Like we've we've seen episodes where he's Backstabbed Michael and ended up doing his laundry for years because you know he, he he goes he goes around him or he goes over his head or whatever and um where yeah so so there's so many times in this episode where Michael will talk about family 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 and yeah he thinks it's a good thing and yeah like you say that's a red flag because of the of how dysfunctional families can be
0: yeah the only person that's not in Michael Scott's family is. Toby (laughs) so for those that don't know Toby is the HR guy within the Scranton office and Toby gets a hard time of it from from Michael Scott do you find that in like people roles and with like HR teams that there is like a divide and conflict or butting of heads between senior management and those departments
1: do you know I think the best thing my ceo did when he appointed me was making me head of people and not head of hr because yeah. <laughs> and i'm always the first go, i'm people i'm not hr because i think watching this series when i moved into the head of people role whereas before i was very much um talent acquisition and talent management um, you really feel for Toby because he's he's just trying to do the right thing all the time and do it properly, unlike Michael, who's trying to do the right thing and does it poorly. Um, so I do feel more and more for Toby as as, as I went into this role, but I think... When you're in an HR function, you're seen as an addition of the team. Whereas I found in a people role, you are the team. Um, you know, you're especially. I joined the business three years ago. Now I'm coming up to three years, and um, was the first non-exec member of the team. And now we've grown to around about 25. And um, in a people role, you're building the culture. You're you're building out what the values are, how this company is going to live and breathe. Whereas you know hr typically is the go-to when you've got a problem and don't get me wrong people still come to me when they've got a problem or when something isn't quite right but you know the people element makes it more human which is interesting because hr literally the first word is human, human. <laughs> you know, hr are the backbone they get stuff done and they keep things ticking over but because of because it you know people take the piss out of hr so much um but the more and more i'm seeing these roles that are coming up which are head of people and culture head of Development or you know sort of people-focused roles rather than HR, and I think a huge number of businesses are making that shift now. And I imagine a lot of people um, are looking to receive an accreditation or an award that makes them an employer of choice. Um, and they're probably looking at that HR people function to say, how, how can we make this a great place to work? How can we make this a place? You know, what do people care about? Um, and how can we make it? more about the people and the employees. So yeah, poor HR, poor Toby, he gets such a bad rep and he's just trying to help. Um, and he loves Pam, <laughs> he doesn't love
0: him back. Well, so so much love there for Pam. And actually what's interesting about the murder episode is, and Toby's quite softly spoken, I think he kind of like, is it kind of recalls into himself because of Michael's behaviors. Um, but everybody from the Stamford office can't help but praise toby for everything that he's helped he's like you know toby's been nothing but supportive and friendly and really informative because you know he's given them the clarity of here's what you're supposed to do this is what's going on whereas michael scott's like just scrambling yes. and putting people at <laughs> tables toby's actually giving the information that people want in those times of big change like a merger is is really unsettling it's like Am I gonna be here? Am I not gonna be here? Who are these new people? Am I gonna create friendships? Am I not? What's the culture? Who's the manager? And if you've got this really kind of problematic manager, you know, you probably do look to HR or the people team to kind of give you that, that clarity and support that, you know, is needed in those times.
1: Oh my God, absolutely. And there's actually a moment just, I think it's just before Michael shows that video of him and Dwight, oh, Yeah. Which is so hilarious, and um, where Toby comes in with his binder and he's, we've got to do this orientation, and Michael's like, oh no, I don't want to do this orientation, and that is that is the role of HR, isn't it? Because, um, giving people this information, and Michael just wants to be fun, and that's why managers should just leave onboarding, to. because one of the things i always do is at the end of the first week at the end of the first two weeks at the end of the first month um is sitting down with that new employee and asking them you know whether it's through a merger or whether it's a a new hire how was your onboarding did we give you too much to do did we not give you enough what do you need to know and those check-in points Um, And they're very informal, you know, you know, I call them a coffee chat, but they're so important because if you fail to address those, and I'm not looking at it from a, you know, you are in this role, it's more from a holistic perspective. So from a people perspective, how have you settled in? How are you finding it? Do you physically um, have everything you need, all the tools you need to do your job? And sometimes managers fail to do that because they just want to get so much off their plate onto their new employees plate that they forget to do those check-ins and that's where HR and people and that's why all of these new Stanford lot are praising Toby you know I'm really tooting the HR people (laughs) on here but that's why people like you know that's why Toby gets so much praise because he is that calm steady voice of reason and support um unlike Michael who just wants to shout out how great the company is and um look at all these fantastic things we're doing It's like yeah great but we just want that stability toby appreciation moment right yeah. here
0: <laughs> he gets a hard time but i did appreciate him in that episode i think he was like as yeah. you say the voice of reason for the, the stanford lot and uh yeah the stanford lot don't stay for very much longer there's only it's only andy that sticks around afterwards yeah that's
1: true they all move on quite quickly don't they um and
0: and Karen, she leaves. I yeah. think that's very unrelated to Michael Scott.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably more gym driven. But yeah, Andy's the only one who sticks around. And that probably says a lot about Andy because of this um, you know, family that Michael is forcing. Weirdly, they do kind of come together because um yeah. they come together because they're discussing Michael and oh my yes, god. yes right at the end and michael thinks that's because of me he's like yeah it is because of you but not because <laughs> you're <it."> the, problem. <laughs> you the problem um but yeah they do come together and they do have this moment um which is which is really nice to see um because the whole of the build-up has been this divide during this integration ceremony where it's like us and them, you and them, new and old. And so they finally come together despite all of that, which um says a lot about them. And Michael's there just all smug, like, look at me. Um <laughs> we love him because he's the world's best boss.
0: Despite all his shortcomings, I do there is a soft spot in my heart for Michael Scott, that's for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he um but imagine working with him. Sorry, oh no, I couldn't, I couldn't work, work with him. him. No. <laughs> I'd fire i
0: fired myself in like a couple of seconds.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would you would you'd bring a, you'd bring a legal lawsuit action whatever whatever happens in the US. I feel like their employment laws are very different to ours but um yeah, you'd you'd get out of there sharpish. But I think everyone has been there for so long and even um Ryan changes so much, you know, from being yeah. semi-keen temp to this Animal, and I don't know. I wonder how much Michael Scott has got to do with that. <laughs> uh, everyone is just sort of tolerating it, and everyone is in this sort of almost. Either very old, so they're not going anywhere, like Creed, who know who knows what he does. He still doesn't know. And you know, the (laughs) likes of Stanley and Phyllis. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you've got Jim and Pam, who probably there for one another, um, which, you know, they're they're not leaving because they just want to be together. And that's why Michael thinks it's his family, because he's brought these people together. But Mm -hmm. um, you sort of think that's not the reason why they're not leaving. It's just um they're a bit stuck there. Yeah.
0: It's a shame, isn't it? But we love them being stuck there because then we get to keep watching them on our screens. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been just such a great conversation. I've enjoyed every minute of it and I can't wait for us to get together again to talk about it. Yes, yes please. This one is season three, episode eight, I think. Episode eight, yeah. So even then that's quite, There's a lot behind that that kind of gives some light to who Mm -hmm. Michael Scott really is in the office itself. So um, yeah, Yeah. no doubt we'll we'll be back again with Sean to talk about.
1: Please, again, um, I'll happily be a regular feature if you'll have me back. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, uh, Thank you so much. It's been it's been really great, and I I I think when you first mentioned it, I was so excited to talk about the office because I love it. And actually, I've realised there's so much to to dissect um, and so much to share about what we do in the workplace, in our roles as well, Um, all comes back to Michael Scott. So thank you. Thanks for having me on. Invite
0: me back. Yes, of course. Thank you so much, Sean, And thank you to all our listeners. Um, We would love to hear any feedback you have. And if there's a particular episode you want us to dissect and talk about, do let us know by getting in touch with us via email instagram or linkedin we'll have all the links in the the description of the podcast but can't wait to see you in the next episode take care for now and bye